How are you? Welcome to, um, what is it, episode 16, episode 17 or something like that of Turning Earth, uh, the environmental podcast. Episode number many. Number, yeah. We've, we've, um, we're changing the changing the format up a little bit. Yeah. What we're not going to have just one type of episode anymore. Yeah, what we've been doing up till now is we'd have, uh, each episode would have a different theme and we'd... Uh, We'd split the episode up generally. We At the start, we'd kind of talk a little bit about what's going on in the news and what current events relating to climate change and climate justice have gone down. And then we'd get into We're our going main We're to our topic. main section yeah. and get stuck in deep into something very specific. But we've decided to split that up now and we're going to do... This is the first episode of the Joint Committee. It's joint, the Joint Committee on Rebellion. And we're going, to do, uh, we're going to do joint committees. Just me and Eric, really, but it's still a joint committee. Um, we're going to have do, minutes and notes. We're going to do them a bit more regularly than our, our traditional way of doing things. And they're just going to be on basically news analysis, talking about what's happened recently and to be very broad. We're going to do more of our media aggregation as a thing of its own, you know? Media aggregation, that's Because there's good, so many things you know? going on that, like, you know, we're going to keep on top of things. And then we're also going to have episodes that are going to be, like, more specific into some deep, uh, very little topic. But then we're going to have, so we're going to have, you know, our news episodes, our, our, our sound bites and interesting bits and our great quotes. We've got some absolutely choice cuts for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ. We've got some... Uh, <laughs> We've got some uh, mad stuff coming from the UK. Mad stuff from the UK. Extinction Rebellion. But we'll, we'll get on to that shortly. Yeah. Um, we people, should people have said silly things and done lovely things. Oh, it was, yeah. it's been great. It's been great, folks. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be... This is our first episode of the Joint Committee, so it's going to be just fairly broad. We've no real structure to it. We just have a couple of things we want to talk about. Um, we'll have a, some themed episodes coming up later on in the year. Not sure on what yet. Um, we're probably going to talk about mental health at one stage yeah, was one yeah. thing we talked about doing um, and peat, uh, peat burning power plants in the Midlands the, the, the decrease in peat as a fossil fuel um, stuff like that uh, also gold mining up north the the campaign against that we talk a little bit about that in this episode but it'd be yeah. great to get someone in from that to interview them but anyway we'll get on to that in a minute there's all sorts of things going on there's, there's also been a, uh, an in, uh, indigenous people who've won um, some legal protection in a but that was at the Warani tribe. Warani. Some if someone knows how to pronounce that, send me a voice message or something. Um, so they were they're a tribe in a part of the Amazon, and they've successfully blocked or they've saved, for now at least. They've basically gotten legal protections that it's not going to be cut down because you know the Amazon is being cut at a crazy rate. Yeah, the yeah. Amazon is being destroyed, and that's really bad because you'll hear a lot about politicians talking about tree, trees and like how efficient they are. There's never mentioned how like complex very old systems like the Amazon sequester way more carbon than the ones yeah. that were just planted last year the ones that like the state here might plant all, all the same spruce or whatever yeah, so like on that them, actually you know? uh, to, just to contrast two very different attitudes to forestry you've got the Warani tribe who live you've got the Warani tribe who uh, live their lives in the forest conduct everything every part of their lives in the forest and are, they're literally protecting themselves when they're protecting this area and then look at how culture who are supposed to be the, the state body that look after forestry in Ireland yeah look how they nature, essentially I mean that's what I, what I used to think was the job of forestry but it's actually managing cash crops to sell yeah um, by making money yeah the, yeah the head, the head of culture recently referred to Sitka spruce as the Frisian cows of trees right and so first of all to compare cows to trees in any meaningful way that should set alarm bells ringing straight away um, they're, they're, they're different creatures altogether Um well, it's so, just money. He's seen dollar signs. Yeah, you know? that's what he meant. Yeah, but like, that's the fact that he's running the forestry in this country. 
is is really scary and it's a really bad thing because like, the Sitka spruce if anyone's not familiar with the Sitka spruce plantations there's a lot of them uh, all over the country really but there's a campaign mm. against them in Leitrim because there's a lot of fo- this kind of forestry in Leitrim um, and it's it's been really bad for people in a lot of ways in terms of large just large tracts of land being given over exclusively to this kind of forestry it's cutting people off it's just another example of monocrop culture you know we talk about we talk about that a lot it could be when it comes to it could be meat it could be in production of milk it could be production of vegetable it's production of everything you know that that's sort of the most critical thing of in terms of food production in general now this isn't exactly food but i mean it's not a million miles away is it like you know it's a type in in a sense it's a type of agriculture you know yeah, yeah. Oh no, it is. It is. Uh, it's, what, there's a different word just, to use. You, know, you think of agriculture generally. Ag- agroforestry food, is what they call it. Agroforestry. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, and monocrop cultures are bad. It is not complicated. See, here's the thing it's the profit motivation. So you're short term yeah. making bucks right now. So it's the exact opposite of it's They are an organization who are responsible for something that should be involved. You should be thinking of. CO2 sequestration greenhouse gas sequestration am I saying that right? Greenhouse gas sequestration that means basically what trees trees obviously breathe in CO2 and breathe out oxygen yeah. so they, they will they're, take CO2 from the atmosphere which is we need to do anyway they're and they'll a big give part us oxygen of the picture. We, we also need oxygen because we won't be able to live if we can't breathe oxygen right so we need that uh, I didn't think that would be something we'd have to point out but judging, judging by their actions we do have to remind <laughs> them of the fact that we need oxygen to breathe and we need less CO2 in the air in order to not overheat the planet factor in things like coral reef dying which also take I think they produce actually more than trees actually and they're mm. getting killed so fast that it's actually very very scary in terms of like oxygen yeah. production and CO2 you know we need as much at least as much of that stuff translating translating changing our emitted CO2s from our breath into yeah, to yeah, yeah. oxygen we need it going back in the opposite way like yeah. you know all these things are tied together even you know so um so There's that's why the profit motivation needs to be removed from the equation on that. Yeah. And like, there's nothing wrong with some amount of tree felling for production purposes, but even doing that selectively from cultivated old growth forests will be better than this. Because like, something that we should point out here for people who aren't familiar with these things, I suppose, is the, the differences between an old growth forest an old growth diverse forest which is a forest with loads of different species of tree and plants and animals living in it the difference between that and a a Sitka spruce plantation or any kind of single tree type plantation like the kind culture are doing it's it's like chalk and cheese almost in terms of okay first of all one the, the plantations the monocrop plantations they sequester less carbon like you were saying but they also they don't attract as much wildlife. The air in them... No, of is, course not. There's been studies done on, on the, the the difference in air quality in the two forests. And there's... Because of the different gases, uh, uh, oxygen being one of them, that trees put out, the blends of gases that are put out in old-growth forests are good for you. They're good for your physical and mental health. That's why people like walking through forests, because it's really good for them, right? Yeah. Walking through a single... A monocrop culture forest... It's the complete opposite. It's actually bad for you to be walking really? in there. Not like not majorly so. It's not the same as the air pollution in a city, but it it it. I can't remember exactly what the name of name of the the hormone is, but it increases rather than reduces a certain stress hormone. That like walking in an old growth forest will decrease this stress right. hormone. Walking in a, a Sitka spruce plantation or another kind will increase that stress hormone. So it's just it. They're just two completely different things, and as well they're short lived because. The, the reason they choose Sitka spruce, like you said, it's a money thing. They grow quickly, can be chopped down quickly and turned into paper or timber or whatever the fuck quickly. Yeah. Um, 
and that's it doesn't give the chance for a proper ecosystem to evolve and they're not meant to that's not what they're there for but yeah. we need we need more ecosystems because ecosystems are being cut away by humanity at a rapid pace and we're looking at the reason extinction rebellion exists is because we are facing the sixth large scale extinction this planet has seen as far as it's we're very away. scary stuff really you know it's very scary stuff yeah but the reason that extinction is happening there's loads of reasons but a major one is the animals have nowhere to fucking live yeah because we've destroyed all their homes so like we need to even from an, a selfish point of view our survival depends on their survival we need to reverse that process quickly like so yeah um but that's why um and that might be a nice little segue into something i just wanted to to chat about is goings on in the uck in the uk or the uck as i like to refer to oh, them the sometimes uck. yeah yeah um planting more trees um is something that michael gove said needs to happen they said something so basically uh, extinction rebellion uk the main kind of extinction rebellion That's where it started, yeah. branch essentially right and the big and as far as i understand it the biggest protest by by a wide mark oh yeah it's been in london um actually i have to I have to mention as well a couple of weeks ago sadiq khan was brilliant sadiq khan was brilliant as well when he said um that we had to we had to go back to he basically put out a statement understandably you know he's the mayor of london city so he's responsible for he's kind of responsible to respond when something happens in the city and the city was basically brought to a standstill by just these these a long time as well like a week or so really a long time and he he literally used the words we have to go back to business as usual in the statement that he put back i thought that was absolutely fantastic like you could kind of detect the desperation, you know, yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. quite a strong statement, but but also then a bit annoyed because like, man, this is exactly what needs to happen. That was the first response I had in my head. You know, this mm. is exactly the thing like we need to. This is happening right now. This is happening right now and it's really bad. But that's not the only good uh, quote or little snippet or soundbite that's coming out of the Extinction Rebellion in the UK, because apparently the uh, the lead or well, sorry, Extinction Rebellion as an organization in any case has met with Michael Gove this evening in uh, London and he has said Michael Gove has said that planting more trees restoring peatlands to health and using new technology to remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere should be pursued as a matter of urgency so that's Michael Gove the Tory environment minister who's not exactly someone that you'd expect to be uh, quite so uh, you know pro environment or, uh, or at least he's He's he's, I mean, he's he's appearing to take it seriously at the very least. He's a Tory, so he's inevitably going to look after business interests first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so getting him to come out with something like that is pretty good. I wonder how much weight there has to be, but that doesn't even really matter. What matters is that they got him to say it, and it's in it's out there in the in the mainstream. It's becoming something that even conservatives are talking about. Yeah, it's in him admitting that, like, as a fairly now important person, you know, in terms yeah, yeah. of the structure of things in the UK. He was almost prime minister, but um, God love him. But uh, I thought it was class. Claire Farrell, one of the Extinction Rebellion activists who met Gove, said it was less shit than I thought it would be, but only mildly. So that um, sounds about right, Jay. But it was like for what you'd expect, it was a little bit optimistic, kind of. I don't know, like I, it kind of gave me the whole thing of what I'm reading here. Kind of gave me heart a little bit because they're admitting, yes, we do. This is serious, yeah. and we need to act. But even the pla- even planting trees thing, which I know by itself is inadequate, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, but they're planting trees here, but look at the kind of trees they're planting. So he was careful not to say what kind of trees needed planting, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. But it's starting to get a bit of pressure on, you know? I mean, realistically, the Tories need to get out of there for that and, that and major to happen. They've also stated, though, that they've also met with the leaders. of This is the first time that the that an environmental group, you know, compared to in the past, like fracking has happened a lot in the UK. And... Um, other kind of similar environment based kind of protests and the like, the like or, or you know the protest groups of, of any description this is the first time they're saying in the UK history this is what according to the Guardian that I'm reading at the moment 
that uh, this is the first time that they such an organization has actually met the major leaders of each party. So it's the first for like that. An, so an environmental organization, like or what? Yeah, in this context, like he's met with. They've also met with the labor top heads and all that, you know. So, but apparently now the bad thing is they're not happy with that. They weren't happy meeting as the thing I mentioned about Sadiq Khan there and what he said, of course. Yeah. yeah. And he's labor, of course, you know. Well, I think they're they're and very unlikely to be happy or satisfied with any amount of interaction they have with that level of government. But yeah, but this is Corbyn's labor, you know. This is Corbyn's labour, but it's also not Corbyn's labour at the same time, you know. So there's an interesting kind of yeah. split there. La- you know, labour in the UK is extremely fragmented right now. Like so are the Conservatives, but Labour are not united as a party. They're they're also like massively divided. You have like the Blairites and the Corbynites, and they are, you know, they're not the same animal whatsoever. Like that wouldn't be like the left now. It is an unusual situation that like the fact that he got the. The, the premiership is very weird as a sort of a trot like basically hmm. like you have basically like a Trotskyite in this like as you said you know well we were talking off air about like the Iraq war and Blair you know hmm. and um or maybe that wasn't with you actually with somebody no, else I don't think we were talking about that <laughs> I was sorry just before I came here I was talking about the Iraq war and Blair and stuff so yeah, yeah that guy as well like think of someone like Blair who like justify going to war in Iraq it's someone who was like protesting at the time now and he's the la- the leader of Labour you know yeah, so yeah. but I'm only mentioning that because they met with John O'Donnell as well and um, of, and he's Who's John O'Donnell he's also very high up in Labour I think he's the deputy leader of, uh, of Labour in the UK. A Jeremy no, sorry, he's not the deputy leader. Sorry, that's another guy, Tom Watson. But he is uh, he is very high up on the list. Is he a pal of Corbyn or are they, are they not buds? Also? I think they're reasonably so. I think he comes from the union kind of end of things. But they but Extinction Rebellion were saying today that they weren't happy after talking to him. Hmm. So that's disappointing too, you know. But uh, so yeah. um, I would have thought he would have been more amenable. But I guess I don't know him specifically as, as well as, you yeah. know, uh, as some of the other more you know figures in that uh, political party. But... It's it's not surprising that like at the same time that they haven't got a good Extinction Rebellion haven't got mm. a good response of them taken seriously. Like it's a bit disappointing, but it's maybe not that surprising it's at not the same time, you know. No, no. So um so there's still a lot of work to do. I mean, you wouldn't want to kinda of overstate but mm. I mean the, one of the things we talked about that we had to talk about is that like, you know, the media reaction to this we talked a few episodes ago about how it's broken the mainstream now and like mm. thinking about like climate changes, this is quite serious and even though that maybe like there was maybe a little bit of lingering, not wanting to really necessarily deal with it, mm. um, but understanding how serious it was become kind of, you know, mainstream in that now. But right. now it's like, since this has happened, like it's all over the... You had like the Daily Mail with like uh, David Attenborough, um, big front page thing, like yeah, about yeah. like, you know, David Attenborough, who's like very like... Uh, obviously going to talk about climate change and that it's a real thing basically yeah, yeah. and making that point quite forcefully but even he hadn't been as vocal about it before as you would have expected him to be Attenborough I mean, do you think do you know so I mean? not like I, I remember I being a little was. maybe I didn't uh... I mean in the last couple of years yeah but before that I kind, I'd been expecting him for a long time to start piping up more about it and really like if you look at his shows he hasn't there hasn't been as much about it previously in his shows as before but I mean fair play to him he's doing it now you know they're always a campaign like that is always going to have very limited success in dealing with the state um, and that's that's actually a criticism I've seen people I've seen people criticising Extinction Rebellion for, for the, the level of engagement they're having with the state and like basically saying that it's it's a waste of energy that could be put elsewhere and there's something to that I think but I also think it's really important that someone is doing that I mean the argument is basically that like Oh, it's sorry. The argument that I just heard myself from the kind of a some some anarchist kind of uh, pers- or from people perspective. that are further to the left or anti-state, anyone who's anti-state, I suppose. Yeah, we're basically making the point that like 
that dismantling capitalism has to be part of it because you can't do it without dismantling capitalism. Yeah. Which I do kind of agree with, I think, in many ways. But I also, like... But even that's an idea that's been expressed on the TV now, you know? you've got. Does that mean George... that you don't, like, do what Extinction Rebellion have done? I'm not sure that that's the case, really. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, at least the criticisms I was reading weren't saying that Extinction Rebellion shouldn't be doing their thing. It's just, like, in what way could this movement be more effective, kind of? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen people being dicks about it, and I've seen, but I've also seen people putting it in constructive ways, you know what I mean? And writing pretty well-thought-out articles about it or about their perspective on it. And yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, I'm, I'd agree with some of it, but I'm very glad Extinction Rebellion exists and I'm very glad they're doing what they're doing. I think, I mean, of course, like, yeah, you know, if like, you know, I probably have a lot of, there's a lot of things that make you cringe in a lot of organisations, but yeah, I've yeah. never been in an organisation that didn't have things that made me cringe, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, I wouldn't, like, it's, there might be, there might well be truth to that, that like dismantling capitalism has to be, should be a part of it. But does that mean that like, because we don't really know. I mean, to me, there's kind of an, an assumption that, like, you have to do this. or You don't really know that, like, do you know what I mean? It's, no, it's just it's something that you strongly believe, but yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit more ideological or something. Yeah, and like, you have no way of knowing how successful that'll be until it happens. And it might not be successful. It might be a total fucking disaster. You don't know. It's yeah. a leap of faith, really. After, well, right now it would be, do you know what I mean? Because there's no... Yeah. The alternative structures aren't really there that I can see. Yeah. Um. Well, there are some, of course, but, like, anyway, we're getting kind of vague now, but... um. I have to be vague sometimes. You do. I mean, the whole point of this this new format is that we're allowed to be vague, I suppose, isn't it? Um, yeah, we're, we're having fun doing our thing, you know? But, uh, yeah. Lefties are harsh on each other, but sometimes they say sensible things as well. Absolutely. Include myself in that, obviously. One thing that drives me um, spare as well is the, is the word radical and the use of the word radical and the concept of being radical. It really fucking irritates me and grates me and I absolutely don't use that word about anything that I do anymore ever it's a bit like the use of the word natural like it yeah. kind of stops being useful as a descriptor after a while it's politicised or something yeah, yeah. kind of thing I think I I think it's a good example as well of something that keeps you out of the mainstream and that keeps you like what we're doing is radical to me that is like logically incorrect because mm. the way, all the ways I think about the world I think are perfectly natural and not radical they're actually like you just call it natural though Shit, that's a point. <laughs> it's hard to state of affairs. If you yeah, say yeah, it's yeah. radical, it's like, oh, we've got this. You make it sound like extreme or something. But like, you make it sound like it's a mad idea. When you make it sound be... scary, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is the point of that? You're you're defeating yourself by the very beginning, I think, by doing that. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. this actually normalize something is to say this should be the calm, normal state of affairs, not like a, a radical response to something extreme. Do you but know what I mean? That that's really relevant, I think, to Extinction Rebellion, because you see these kinds of. Um, well, I've, at least I've, w- I've witnessed a couple of conversations and articles and blog posts and all that being heavily critical of Extinction Rebellion for either not being radical enough, for not being anti-state. It was never anti-state to begin with. I don't know why it has to be anti-state to be a campaign you can support, but for not being radical enough or also just people becoming sceptical about climate change because it's a mainstream thing. Do you know, it kind of reminds me of when the Eighth Amendment was yeah. repealed. And then people started talking about how Fine Gael are bringing in abortion and fuck Fine Gael for bringing in abortion. They weren't bringing it in. They capitulated to the demands of a massive grassroots campaign. Yeah, yeah. And then it becomes, oh, it's the mainstream thing, so I'm against it because it's the mainstream thing. As I know, well, who was who against that because the mainstream thing? Only probably oh, well, I mean, no? okay, Yeah, no, it's, it's not exactly the same in that way. But the, my point is the idea of it then becoming, with, becoming a mainstream thing, it becomes associated with mainstream politicians and mainstream yeah. media. And then it becomes their thing. They, they co-opt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, of course, but of course. It's, it's and a, that's a, that's a natural. T- yeah, 
Use that word again. It's an inevitable consequence of a successful Good campaign. Good man with the synonyms. <laughs> Mahon Far. Damn it. But um, it's it's okay. So it's different in, to the to the repeal the ad thing in a few ways, but it's similar in that I've I've heard people going. The like mainstream politicians, government want us to do all this stuff for the climate, and it's like no, they want to do that because they've had pressure put on them from people, just people. I mean, my my kind of feeling on all of that when I think of Extinction Rebellion is that like I'm just glad that like it really something has happened that needed to happen that along a few months ago I would not have well maybe more than a few months ago a year two two years three years ago. I would have been very kind of pessimistic and negative and thinking now that like the psychology has moved so far, you know, psychology has moved a lot. And like things are actually the thing is like we have a very short window of opportunity to kind of sort this. But things are starting to happen that could be the beginning of what needs to happen. Not to say that it's definitely going to happen, like things are going to be fixed, but like possibly we're starting to get things moving way too late. But, you know, I wouldn't be as pessimistic now in some ways as I would have been. I mean, I am pessimistic about the physical state of things at the moment. Like, we have to, a lot of work to get done physically to, like, basically get the, the, the scenario into a better scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Less CO2. There's, lo- no, there's loads of shit to do, yeah. There's loads of loads of battles to be fought. But, yeah, there is there is a... There's an opportunity now, basically, is yeah, what I'm saying. There's an opportunity in the, in the, in the danger. Um, and there's people stepping up to it, fucking loads more people than there have been for years. So I think that's class. Since we're uh, we were kind of talking about mainstream politics there and interacting with the government and how one of the things that that I would kind of agree with is that well to a point putting your eggs in that basket is a bit counterproductive because there's only ever so much the government is going to do of its own volition and you have to kind of put the yeah. pressure on in different ways. But still, I think it would be uh, it would be a bad idea for us not to talk about the upcoming elections. Yeah, here in Ireland, they're always uh, a political event. They're always funny. They're always interesting. It's kind of like watching. For me, it's like watching a soap opera play out. It's a bit more. <laughs> it's a bit like watching a sport, isn't it? Oh no, it is. Yeah, it is. It's like watching. It's like watching professional wrestling. It's a <laughs> it's a combination of a soap opera and a sport, which is why it's so fucking compelling. Oh, it's like who's going to win the belt this year? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Who's going to be the last person thrown out of the ring? And you're going to get like you may get mostly invested in it, and like it's really kind of. But and as well, like there's there's always like obviously there's it's high tense tension, and you know, I mean, with definitely within lefties and stuff, people are arguing. You know, results as well. I guess more so than professional wrestling. It does. I mean, we shouldn't trivialize it too much now. In fairness, but um, especially when you see stuff like the. I mean, I know the America's America's a different kettle of fish altogether, but like the whole thing around Trump. The more that plays out, I'm like, he really is just there to distract people with the mad shit he says. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. his function as a part of the government. He's a he's a tool of propaganda more than a leader. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, and just the whole thing around that is just so fucking... Who knows what his inner leadership is actually like? Is it a... I mean, I was going to say, is it a George Bush type thing? But no, because George Bush uh, type thing was a very tight ship. Mm. I mean, his whole thing is just fucking madness and chaos. And yeah, just yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just... It's just insanity. He's just off the wall, like completely yeah, yeah. off the wall. But speaking of elections, I know we've there's there's a lot of elections to talk about. Um, Is there? Did you know? Well, there's been there's been a lot of elections. You know, there's an election in Spain recently. Actually, I didn't know that. There's been an election in Spain just now the other day, and um, it's quite interesting because basically it's like the socialists have won essentially, right? Now, Podemos. No, well, they're the only Spanish party I know. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but Amos did okay. They got like forty-eight seats, but they went down slightly. But 
the big news is basically that actually a lot of things have happened but do you the, but a very quick TLDR and like very like not very one simplified basically slightly simplified okay. but it is interesting because the socialists in quotation marks no quotation marks there have an overall if you kind of combine uh, Unidas Podem, Podemos Podemos mm-hmm. with um, PSOE which is kind of like it. I've heard described as like they kind of have a Jeremy Corbyn type Labour type situation okay. going on so they're like they're kind of a broad left party mm-hmm. but like they have a kind of radicalish leader but then there's obviously less radical people yeah, yeah. within the organisation so it's not you know their lefties have been pushed a bit more to the left, basically. Slightly. Yeah, it's, it's a complex party, but they've basically won. A, they've so they were the opposition before, and now they're basically going to be in government. You know, essentially, okay, is yeah. what has happened. So, if you combine them with Podemos, you almost have a majority. But if they're with Podemos, they might need another lefty party that they, which there are a couple of. Mm. So they could do it that way, but or they could end up doing a minority government with the whole one, uh, one uh, abs absenting if they get if Podemos or someone else to just. Uh, Abstain, mm. a bit like Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael here, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so half in, half out, in other words, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it could be like a, a left wing. So it's it's actually good news, you know. It's mm. like uh, the the popular ones are the lefties, but um, but yeah, I mean, like also there's you don't know how it's actually going to play out in in reality. Oh, sorry, as well as I should mention that one good thing has happened is that the the right has basically divided. So you had the PP and they had the prime minister before. Well, they didn't have the prime minister since he was done for corruption. And actually, mm. they've so they in in Ireland you would have called an election straight away, but for whatever reason that didn't happen immediately, and there was a couple of weeks or mo- a couple of months or like a, a half a year or something like that that actually the opposition guy was the president, i.e. the prime minister. Uh, um. So, but that so what's basically happened now is that this big party before PP has split almost in two, mm. and then this other party Ciudadanos, and now the right are basically just going. I think what happened. What are their environmental policies? Uh, quite bad. Um, do, do the lefties like? The lefties quite good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's been big plans like Madrid. I've talked to you before about Madrid has now got on even and uh, odd yeah. days. You can't bring certain. Car- so if your car is like ends in a one or two or ends ends in an odd number, you they can't. Put a car go- restriction on the city, basically. On the city, basically, yeah. yeah. They put car restrictions essentially, so you can only drive in half the days, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all the right wing par- guys going, oh, we can't drive around our city, blah, blah blah. But like, do you know, like it's so bad in Madrid that you know trees are dying, and they think it's because they don't know why. Yeah. Like in the city centre in the big parks, you know. Yeah. But like these old trees, you know, are just suddenly collapsing and dying, and they're like. Sp- what speaking the hell? of air pollution, actually, because I always think of the car thing as from a, in a climate change perspective. So it's about the amount of CO two going up. But like, the 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 state of the air in European cities, like never mind places like that you'd think of, like Beijing or Shanghai or whatever, that are famed for having bad air yeah. pollution, where you see people walking around with masks and stuff like that. With the smog, and the smog is really bad there. But even European cities are insane. There's like. Uh, a study came out recently that children being born now can expect to have 20 months shorter life than kids born 10, year, tw- 10 years ago, 20 years ago or something like that because they're, the air is just getting that, that much worse. And it's, it's, it's like we know much more now about how much it impairs our thinking, even as adults, not just as kids. It has a really bad impact on your brain, yeah. yeah, yeah. That made me very depressed. I couldn't even read that. Yeah. Yeah, it was too much. Like So when, when we say on this podcast that lefties getting into government is a good thing because they do generally have even mainstream parties like Labour and like do generally have a more sensible policy towards the environment um, than Tories or more conservative parties or Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil would generally speaking um, the, the reason I bring that up is because um, when I, I see discussions about socialism and the environment coming up people tend to think of the Soviet Union and the <sighs> how massively polluting and resource inefficient that was 
But um, I think that's starting to change. To be fair, but yeah, huh? I think that's starting to change. To be fair, like I think that w- would have always been the case. Like what people, the, think, well, the Soviet Union's gone, so that changed quite a bit. No, but I mean, people <laughs> thinking of that when you mentioned socialism. Ah, yeah, 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 a bit maybe, but you know, just to be clear, because like, yeah, not everyone's a socialist, and not everybody likes socialism. Yeah, well, yeah, but there's no. there's good re- there's well, reasons to be supportive of it, you know. It used to be that you were crazy to think, oh, that you'd be a communist or socialist. It was just like insane, like mm. for us kind of growing up. But that is not the case anymore. It's totally normal now, and not that more than like half of people would say that or do that. But it's you wouldn't go, oh my god, that's so weird, and just that's completely insane, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. not like that anymore, you know. It's sure, actually yeah, quite yeah. a lot more popular now, but, which uh, is great. <laughs> So, but we're we're almost we almost started talking about the elections here the, coming up here, the local elections and the, the, and European, the European Parliament elections. elections. Yeah. I don't really know much about anyone that's running in the European Parliament elections. To be honest with you, I don't know what the fucking story is. I hope Ming gets in again because he's got crack. Beyond that, I don't know. It's not nearly as much of an event as a country's kind of main political yeah. elections because it's almost ceremonial, nearly. They don't make any decisions. It's all the European Commission, all the they rest. They make recommendations and they give out about stuff, I think. Oh, yeah, and they get paid very well. But they don't make any decisions whatsoever. They they don't have real power, you know, yeah. and that's just a fact. Thing, well, they can know? they can vote on EU policy. And EU policy yeah. can affect national government. But the but, point is that yeah. they're not steering the ship. Yeah, there's quite They're big... going along with something that's been set by a process. That like, it's, it is actually, like, EU is actually a very undemocratic organisation. There's no mm. question about that, you know. So but Do you know what else is a very undemocratic organisation? Yeah. Dublin City Council. That and is very true. This They're is very something bad. I've only looked into recently, and the reason I looked into it uh, was because I was making a submission to the council. They they had earlier on in the year in March, well, they released the plan in January or February or something like that. They had a draft climate change action plan. So what the city's climate change mitigation and adaptation plan is going to be, right? Yeah. And they put a draft one out. You could, the submissions were open to the public and stuff. So I made one. Uh, I might have made it on our behalf. I'm not sure, but I definitely submitted the thing anyway. Um, oh it would have been yeah but one of the main things I didn't really respond to a lot of stuff in the plan because when I started looking into how the council actually works my biggest criticism and I don't know why how this is the the case still in this day and age but like the way the council basically works is it's a corporate model which won't be news to most people who are from Dublin because it used to be called Dublin Corporation up until the late 80s I think so they weren't disguising the fact that it's a corporation well, the corporal, exactly, yeah. I shouldn't put on accents, lad, sorry. Uh, come on, uh, you've been living in Dublin like 10 years, you're entitled to put on a double accent. Living in Dublin longer than that, actually, but yeah, anyway. So, I mean, yeah, you can, I mean, they, dubs take the piss out of cultures all the time, so if we can't put on double <laughs> accents, then that's not fair. So, like, do what you want. But, um, but yeah, it's it's literally based on, it's, it's an American model of local government where essentially the council are kind of like a board of directors, but a ultimately decisions can be made by the CEO which is now called the city manager he's a man called Owen Keegan who's been the city manager for a number of years he said a number yeah. of very very stupid and very very stupid things but also things that just hint at the notion that he doesn't really empathise with humans like yeah. who are more in vulnerable situations no he, he just doesn't, doesn't, he, doesn't. To, he thinks in a very he said something horrible about homeless people recently yeah if only I could remember what it was I mean he was <laughs> talking about families was it him that was talking about families gaming the system Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. And yeah, or yeah. talking about um, like people that, are, that people choose to be in homeless. There's thousands basically. of people, like, and there's people on the streets, and he's saying stuff like that. Like, I mean, Jesus. Nobody in local government in any capacity should have that kind of attitude about the people who live in their city. That's like you're not capable of doing your job right if you don't care about the people who live here. Like, um, it's the easy thing for him to say to be lazy and say it's their yeah. fault. You know what I mean? That's all it is. But this is the big issue it's with disgrace. this. It's because him, the city manager, he's not elected, 
and we can't get him out. We as the people who live in Dublin can't get him out of that job. Yeah. He is hired by the council. We vote for the councillors. They can vote on things. But ultimately, it's his choice, him and the other bureaucrats that run Dublin City Council. And this is not some conspiratorial stuff. There's an example that I will take directly from their climate change action plan. In the council's climate change action plan, uh, the rings and incinerators included as a positive thing, as a as a more sustainable way to de- deal with waste. Right, the people who live in rings end campaigned against that for two decades so that it wouldn't happen. Um, for loads of reasons. There's a, we did an episode. One of the, actually one of the original episodes that we did, me and Craig did on near FM of Turning Earth was about the rings end incinerator. That's on our SoundCloud page now, so you can go back and listen to that if you want. Uh, about why the incinerator is such a fucking terrible idea. Um, but as well as that, the city council voted against it twice and it still went ahead because the city manager said it's going ahead. That's and insane. so th- I obviously included this in my submission and I emailed it to the to the mayor and I'd ring because he was the one who tabled the last motion. Yeah, I got a very saw uns- his poster earlier. Yeah, I got a very unsatisfying response. I mean, he agreed with me, obviously, because he's against the incinerator and he tried to stop it as a member of the council. Um, but he just didn't really respond to what I was saying. He was like, yeah, it's very frustrating. But the question I put to him was, what are you as a councillor going to do to make the council more democratic? And I, I put that... I sent In other words, to, nothing. I sent it to a couple of other councillors. I didn't get a response from anyone, um, including independent socialist councillors and councillors on left-wing parties. I didn't get a response, um, which was very disheartening. Because that, to me, if if like... like The reason I agree with the Extinction Rebe- uh, the criticisms against Extinction Rebellion to a point is because I think... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't spend loads of time planning around elections but one thing I would say is if you're going to be talking to local councillors if people are coming to your door or you come across people canvassing I think that's an important question to ask is like what are you going to do to make the council more democratic because if the council's not democratic question, they yeah. can't they can't act on our behalf and it's not a slight against the people running they're literally not capable of acting on our behalf in the current system so and it would be in their interests as councillors to change it so that they can actually drive the fucking thing because right now they're not they're like sitting in the bus Owen Keegan's driving the wheel you know yeah. he's the one steering the wheel yeah yeah um, absolutely yeah. or whoever comes into that job after him it doesn't matter I'm not going to pick on Owen Keegan in particular even though I think he's a bit of a shy talk but <laughs> it could be anyone in that job nobody should be in that job that job shouldn't exist or at least it sh- I wouldn't say it shouldn't exist but it shouldn't have the same level of steering power No, it should no, be no. able to like bypass a council vote that's like how is that that's allowed? insane though imagine that was the case on at national government I guess the president can do that but even he wouldn't no, the, do that but the that. president in practice can't do that and the president's elected like so like yeah. even if he could do, do you no, know but I mean? here's the thing the pres- president's elected but the president doesn't even have any power though I thought it had, the law has to be signed in by uh, him yeah, but and he technically could but it would be but, like, but it would he be career suicide for any president to do that really Nobody's, they don't do it yeah, ever yeah. they don't do it ever he for some do, reason the city manager like Michael D Higgins didn't do that with the with the water bill you know what I mean like he yeah, signed yeah, that yeah. into law like that's just how it works like, and I didn't expect him not to do you know what I mean so yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever about him and his politics his politics don't matter yeah it'd be uproar if he did really like, so. yeah totally like, just but how, that, even like how is that situation has, how has that been allowed to continue for the entirety of the 20th century yeah like I mean the council started in what the 30s or 40s in its current model and like it hasn't been changed since then. What the fuck? Like, so that's like, if, I, if I'm encountering any local councillors, I, I honestly don't give a fuck what the policies are on Anton. That's, I'm going to ask them that. And yeah. that's all I'm going to ask them. Um, okay, I said I don't give a fuck what the policies are. That's not true. I do, obviously. But <laughs> I, I def- will definitely dictate Higher who I vote for. But um, that's just, that just seems to me like a really fundamental problem. And actually, another thing that w- was pointed at in the Climate Change Action Plan 
was that they quoted some study that said local governments will be the most important branch of government for dealing with climate change because of their involvement in the lives of daily people. And then it even went on to say that that's not quite the case for Dublin City Council because they don't have the same powers of other local governments. It even says it in their own action plan, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it doesn't make a big deal out of it, but it mentions it in passing, do you know? <laughs> yeah, um, just for completeness. So, but I don't know why it doesn't go. And here's all the ways we're going to make it more democratic in light of this information that we've just shared with you. Here's how we're going to act on it to improve it. There's none of that. It's a very wishy-washy yeah, plan in general. They actually. don't. They don't want to do that. Yeah, there's very it? little. There's very little of substance in it. I mean, there's yeah. some. There's a lot of good ideas, but there's just a, a lot of it's just very. There's no clear plan about how any of it's going to happen. You could and, do this. You could do that. There's yeah, no kind yeah, of like yeah. here. Here's how you get from A to B. Yeah. You know. I mean, actually, I should. I'm not being totally fair. There is some stuff they put in that goes. Here's the stuff we budgeted for. There's a summary of stuff. Uh, that this that has been budgeted for, and it's all stuff that needs to happen, and fair play to them for doing that. But like, it's it's uh, it's not enough, and it's we, it's not going to be enough. The time for inadequate plans is over. Yeah, it's time for it's 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 senior hurling now, as the saying goes. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't have time to like feck about like with yeah, yeah with nonsense, uh, mini non policies. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. so. Stuff needs to fundamentally change, but but there is truth to the stuff. Like it's true that we're not stuff's not going to happen if you don't divest those kinds of figures of power. You know. Yeah, yeah. So and the same can be true of like in fairness, like whatever we were saying earlier about the thing about overturning capitalism. Maybe there is a level of truth to that because you have to challenge power to you have to sh- kind of face them down or something. You know. Yeah. But it's not even just about power when you talk about we we're talking about state now. But if you talk about capitalism, just as as the example. It just—it seems to be patently obvious that you can't deal with the climate crisis without getting rid of capitalism, because capitalism relies on continuous growth, and you can't financial have, growth. Yeah, but and that's tied directly to resource extraction and all this stuff. So you you can't do that on an infinite planet. You can't have infinite growth of any kind on no. a finite planet. It's just obvious, like so. It it needs to be stopped. Yeah, as it, it need, we need to have a different philosophy for running the world. Capitalism as a philosophy and a worldview is what's killing us like that just seems really obvious to me yeah it's just individual selfishness needs to be like cast away you know you have to it has to be things have to be collectivized if things are going to make any sense you know and democratized so that's why when it gets home to like do you interact with the state do you support the state or whatever to me it's it's not even about that it's like do you make sure that whatever structure is running your life make sure it's as democratic as it possibly can be or that it that it that it's that the power is distributed as evenly and as broadly as is possible and as is practicable so even if you don't want to totally get rid of the council there's loads you could do to make it so that it actually works on behalf of the citizens of Dublin the people who live here yeah I mean and the same is true in national government there's loads that could be done there to devolve and decentralise the power so that it actually works on behalf of the people who live here right now it doesn't really not in any efficient way it's far too slow and it's too susceptible to corruption it is corrupt, I mean, but you know, endemic corruption in Ireland is a thing that's it's always been the case, you know. So um, it also needs to be faced down. It happens with it happens in a lot of countries that are poor countries are you know been poor for a long time, you know. But so you know, but I'm not trying to make it sound like oh that's that all the way the thing should be and just accept it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. it but it is a fact, you know. I'm just saying, you know. But mm. um, but we can do it. We're the people. Fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more there of us. There's a lot more of us than there is of them. Yeah. You know, support to remember that. Irish people have a thing of like we yeah. kind of don't kind of rise up really for a long time, and then 
we kind of just suddenly like lose our shit one day <laughs> I thought that to me that was the water protest was kind of like that you know it's the fucking story of the story of our people really isn't it <laughs> yeah like we waited too long to get annoyed and then we just went fucking ape shit you yeah. know so it's funny how a lot of us are in our daily lives as well yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bottle up the emotions until it bursts, until someone really just gets you on the wrong day, and then we're gonna have we're gonna have a over. hell of a podcast one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a lot of I don't know. Yeah, things are getting things are getting serious with the yeah, climate change, but I'm still I don't know. I can't help but feel optimistic with some good things. I shouldn't feel optimistic. That's not a very responsible thing yeah. to do. But as we talked about before, though, that's a, I read a deadly book a while ago, and I can't remember what it's called now or who wrote it. Unfortunately, but one of the key themes of it or one of the key ideas in it that at least that stuck with me was that optimism and pessimism getting a bit tangential now but optimism and pessimism are two sides of the same coin basically you should discard the whole coin because it's no good to you it both doesn't pretend to know the future whereas you can have hope hope is different from optimism and you can be you can have despair which is different to pessimism because it's based on you're despairing not because of something that might happen you're despairing because of something that's already happened so you can see it going on um, I would I think now is the time for hope now is not the time for despair because I mean we just can't work with despair so despair is something that could happen to you you could find yourself in a state of despair but I think if, if there's any if there's anything that gives you hope fucking cling to it yeah. and, and cherish it and make it grow and drive it like I mean I think that things can change I mean the the reason why I'm hopeful <laughs> is <laughs> I <laughs> We're policing each other's language a <laughs> lot. Was it natural pessimism? And what was the other one? Um, Hopeful. No, there's hope. There's another one we're not allowed to say anymore. We're not allowed to say things are natural. We're not allowed to say things are radical. And we're not allowed to say things. We're are not we allowed, not, are we're we actually not allowed to say those things? No, yeah, they want to write these rules now. We said we were going to get more casual, but let's actually let's get a lot more strict <laughs> and start having words that we're not allowed to say on air. We can have we can have like a block list for words, you know. Yeah. No way you block people on Twitter, or Facebook. We can no. just block words. You can mute words. You can mute words. Yeah. So we're going to mute this. In fact, you didn't even hear those words because Tommy already edited them out. <laughs> No, yeah. I might not do that. But, but <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, but um, the reason why I am hopeful is because things have happened like in the last couple of months that like I didn't think they were likely to happen anytime soon, you know. Mm. So, so ah, okay, things can actually change. But uh, I mean, unless things change materially, then we're still fucked. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm not too hopeful either because you know. Well, we yeah. have to be very careful it's time for prudence but it's also the time for just getting stuck in really yeah, yeah. like I think the next thing now is actually the next thing to become popular is we're going to think we're going to we're going to think of a way to to have zero emissions how are we going to get there you yeah, know yeah. it's going to become mainstream to think about that and that was I mean, it's a, maybe get a little bit more technical you know what I mean but it, that's the next kind of phase you know but that that's what that's a reason that there is cause for hope is because one of the reasons that climate change as a discussion has become mainstream it's not just because of the pressure of political campaigns it's also because the, the, the body of evidence about it has become so huge as to be fucking unignorable yeah. I guess it's no longer something that that's been can, true for a long time it's 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 it, uh, maybe just the communication around it has changed then with the likes yeah. of the, the, the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and stuff like that actually s- bringing all this data together and then putting it out do you know what I mean so there's definitely, definitely like, true to that scientific yeah, yeah. consensus I agree has existed for a long time and people man fucking NASA were talking about climate change at the end of the 80s do you know what I mean like there's articles about this going back yeah, decades yeah, like it, it's been it's been like fairly fucking certain for a long time but 
it's just, it's out it's it's the information is spreading a lot more and the more people start thinking about solutions to it the more likely those solutions are to happen yeah you know and that's a cause for hope like when 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 humans turn their wisdom to something they can make amazing things happen absolutely you know? yeah um and so the more people are doing that the more, like it's just it's only a matter of time before it's figured out technically in some ways it's already figured out technically it's just the political will that needs to change yeah. big political will that's that's we're in that stage here well that's why i was so happy to read about michael gove saying actually sl- the slightly less shit uh yeah, yeah, communications yeah. that he's had with extinction <laughs> rebellion you know so like which i thought it was it's, just fantastic it's the best you can hope for with a tory or a finnegale or any mainstream politician really is to be a bit less crap about climate change than previously yeah, yeah. it's a sign of progress it's a sign you're you're starting to win when he has to come out and not just dismiss you out of hand kind of thing you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a level of success there you know so i'd have to be more I'd be less critical of Extinction Rebellion overall, although I'm sure if I if I dug if I dug deep enough, I'd find things I didn't like, you know, and oh, yeah, yeah. NGO culture and all that kind of thing. But like that wouldn't be my main focus on things as as they've panned out in the last few weeks. So um, you're doing great, folks. Keep doing it. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're nearly there. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna start trying to do this a bit more regularly, but we're not we're not going to commit ourselves to a regular output day just yet. But we'll be doing this. This, the, the it will start to uptake a little bit in the we'll be as I said we'll be doing kind of two different types of episodes so we'll have our, our regular episodes we'll say what's been happening joint committee we'll have, have the joint committee more regularly than previously yet yeah and then we will also have different types of episodes where we go into something quite, we'll have themed episodes we'll say yeah or so maybe a short series every now and then on a particular topic one thing I was thinking about doing as well is maybe to do one on the actual science of climate change just to explain that for people and there's lots of stuff out there on that already but just to have another uh, an audio thing that someone could listen to, to to kind of make it really understandable what exactly global warming is, what it entails, why people are worried about it. Yeah, um, a broad overview, overview as a jumping in point if it could be useful in any so, way. Yeah, there could be a couple of episodes on that and just explain in certain terms. Because you can, like the science behind it is very complicated but you can make it understandable. You know, yeah. there's uh, there's people out there doing that already so it's bringing that information together. Um Actually, one last thing before we finish that I forgot to bring up. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, we talked briefly about... No, we didn't. I meant to talk about gold mining, but I forgot to. Uh, up in the north of Ireland, um, there is a mining company called Dalradian, named after the ancient kingdom of Dalrida, which is a very cheeky thing to name yourself after. Um, yes. It reminds me of Australian fracking companies using indigenous uh, imagery in their logos. Um, yeah, Tamboran the company it was partially in north. Scotland and partially in the north east yeah. tip of the island of Ireland Dal- Dalreda uh, so fuck Dalradian for using that name but um, they are trying to establish a gold mine in I'm actually not sure what county uh, whatever county Tyrone Green, Tyrone county Tyrone um, that's been going on for a few years now but the, camp- the local campaign against it has really stepped up in the last couple of years there's um, if you go onto Facebook and type in Greencastle People's Office GPO Greencastle People's Office that's yeah, they call it uh, the GPO which is a bit of a cheeky nod to the old GPO in Ireland yeah, <laughs> they're, um, they're, they have a permanent camp near the site where the gold mine is to be um, I don't think it, people are living there, but they have a the, the office. They have the people's office there. A they had a raised caravan, you know that. Yeah, they yeah, had it up on a that. platform. But it was this foot like this photo came out. It was in the news, and it was like people were like what the hell? Because it looked like this caravan was just hanging up in in the trees, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then later, on, I was like, oh, there's a platform there. Yeah, it so a bit mad space. looking at it from the side. Um, but uh, fair play, a whole yeah, caravan. I'm pretty sure they did that in response to the the county council was saying they were going to evict them, and I don't think that actually happened in the end. Um, 
they had a call it out hasn't no they're still there they're still there yeah they've been doing that one of the, some of the people have chained themselves onto equipment um, there's a lot of direct action going on physically blocking the work um, so that if someone is looking for a quiet weekend away in the countryside you could maybe go up and visit Greencastle and see what kind of help they need there give them a message on Facebook they might need a they might need donations of certain things or they might need help with something uh, I'd love to talk to someone from that so we'll reach out to them we might well do that on. yeah that would be might be one of our more uh, in-depth uh, episodes of a type of episode that we shall have I'd say so yeah um, if you're part of that campaign or if you know someone who is or if you just have an interest in gold mining or better yet an interest in stopping it uh, please get in touch with us uh, if you want to know why gold mining is to be resisted at all costs you can again go back to the original Turning Earth series on NRFM which is now available to download and you can hear the episode we did on gold mining there in which we explain how uh, poisonous and dangerous a process it is um, so I suppose we leave it at that for now we shall this has been the first joint committee the joint committee on rebellion the joint committee shall reconvene in four to five weeks folks something like that yeah <laughs> I don't know what I'm now Song of all.